my faith doesn't always grow during the good times. It can, you know, when we're reading God's word and we're memorizing scripture and we're praying and we're in fellowship with others, we can grow. But sometimes those bad times, they're, they're like miracle grow for our faith. It's where we really run to God because we have to. And that's when our intimacy with him deepens and our faith becomes more real is during those difficulties of life. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Think about the times you felt strongest in your faith. Was it when everything was going your way and you seemingly had no struggles? Or did you feel your faith expand and solidify after you'd experienced a difficult moment in your life, like an unexpected diagnosis or a rocky period during your marriage? Our guests this week are familiar with a faith that grows through times of joy and times of pain and have learned to look to God in each season. Author and speaker, Karen Amen, and two-time cancer survivor, Christina Cutlass. Karen Amen is a Proverbs 31 ministry speaker and New York Times bestselling author. Her passion lies in aiding women to love their lives as they serve God and others. After authoring and publishing more than 14 books, Karen's most recent title, Make Their Day, focuses on how to outshine the negativity of the world and reach out to others with love and compassion. Throughout her life, Karen has sought to live by biblical principles, holding to that standard in her marriage and while raising her kids. She knows that no part of life will ever be perfect and simple, but she stands firm in her belief that God is guiding her and all those who seek Him to ultimately experience joy and contentment in their daily lives and with those they love. I'm Karen Eman with Proverbs 31 Ministries. I'm an author and a speaker, and I reside in Michigan, the middle of the Mitten State up there in the north. And I've got three children. They're all adults now. Todd and I have been married 32 years. Sometimes when you get further into your relationship, especially when you get married, those strengths can sometimes morph into weaknesses because they get carried to an extreme. And now those are the things that drive you the most crazy about your spouse. For example, my husband, I loved that he was a laid back, agreeable sort. We would talk about, you know, hey, where do you want to go out to eat and what movie should we see? And he always said, I have no opinion. You choose. And I loved that setup. I just loved it. But that laid back, go with the flow personality, once we became married, I interpreted and misinterpreted sometimes as passivity because he would just not do anything. You know, when I'd say, hey, we need to get this done, he'd go, oh, well, you know, who do I call or I'll get around to it. And I just interpreted that kind of laid back, never in a hurry personality as being passive because I'm a pretty much get things done and let's get it done now. In fact, I would have done it yesterday had I known it needed to be done today, you know? And um, he looks at me with what first attracted him to me was the way I could just talk to anyone. And he loved that about me because he's a little more reserved and quiet. But he said about three days into our honeymoon, he wondered, is she ever going to stop talking? <laughs> because that strength of being good at conversation and communication can morph into a weakness of monopolizing the conversations, you know, so I feel like it's those strengths get carried to extreme. Now they're a weakness and now we feel like we're incompatible, but we need to just really learn to kind of dig under that surface and read between the lines to see that sometimes the things that drive us crazy, they're really, there's something good in there. I think we just need to let go of the expectations 
of what we thought marriage was going to be like or what we hoped it would be like or trying to mimic another person's marriage. That, that, that is not what it's all about. And that will just leave you discouraged because you're not going to be able to do it. It's so much more exciting and fulfilling when we look for God in the little things in our marriage, in forming a team together within our four walls, and then finding ministry outside of our four walls together to just let it be a blank slate and, and watch for God working in your own marriage. It brings this little level of excitement when you watch God work while you two are forming a team and working together. One thing I'd love to encourage people to do is to get to know your spouse all over again. And by that, I mean, sometimes when life gets rolling, you know, down through the years and, you know, life's happening, you're maybe buying a house or you're going forward in your careers or maybe kids are a part of it. It's so easy to just forget that your spouse is an individual and you just kind of fall into this rut and this routine. But I like to just try to sometimes bring up conversations, um, that will ask him something that I might not know. Another thing I love to do is to just encourage women and men to cheer on their spouse in the way that their spouse will hear. Because so often the way that we show love is not the way our spouse receives love. However your spouse spells love, learn to, to cheer them on in life, in their career, in their parenting, in their friendships. Just when you notice things about them that are admirable, point it out, whether that means you write them a little note, you say it, or you, you know, lighten their load and do one of their chores around the house. I mean, just do something that really speaks love to them and cheers them on in a way that they will hear. And then I would say the third thing for a practical way we can keep showing up is when you are speaking about your spouse to other people, especially to some of your girlfriends, do not speak about them in a way that's dishonoring. You know, so often we, we run to our friends to complain about our spouses or we run to our spouse and complain about them. Instead, talk about them still, but talk to God. Make prayer a priority. I think that's just a real crucial way that we can keep showing up is to use our words to speak to God about our marriages and to speak to God about our own behavior. I don't need to talk to everybody uh, that I have in my contacts list on my phone about something that's happening with my husband. I don't even need to always go to him about something. Sometimes I, I know there are things that I really feel I need to confront my husband about and tell him how he hurt my feelings or how he didn't do the right thing. And I'll just feel the Lord just kind of tapping on my heart saying, come talk to me about it a little while. So keep showing up in prayer. I know that I look at the times in my own marriage where maybe we hit a little bit of a lull or I was a little discouraged, feeling like, I don't know, things weren't so happily ever after, after all. So often I think we want to run away from them because who, who likes pain? Who likes, you know, difficulties? Who likes problems? But really I can turn in my life and look back and see that those exact difficulties, those problems, those pains, they were kind of the fertilizer for my faith. They're when my faith grew the most and taking those things we're worried about and turning them into our prayer list and about chasing contentment and about really what matters most. Well, I first started seeing different people years ago posting these little inspirational paragraphs that were just were so wonderful. And whenever I would 
get to the bottom of the paragraph, it would say from Jesus Calling. And I'm like, what is this Jesus Calling? And so I actually got my hands on a copy of it and didn't keep it long (laughs) because I have a a young woman that I'm mentoring that she was over and she saw it. She said, what is that book? And, And she was just starting to learn how to read her Bible each day and just have time set aside to, to focus on prayer and stuff. And I thought, oh, I should probably give her this book. So, so I gave it to her. I actually need to go get another copy. But um, I, I have just been very amazed at how many people have been impacted by the thoughts that are in that book that tether back to scripture, that put in a fresh way God's thoughts toward us that are right there in the Bible that helps us to kind of think about them in a new way and to, to be reassured of his promises toward us and his love of us and his care for us. This is the Jesus Calling entry for May 10th. It says this, Do not resist or run from the difficulties in your life. These problems are not random mistakes. They are hand-tailored blessings designed for your benefit and growth. Embrace all the circumstances that I allow in your life trusting me to bring good out of them. View problems as opportunities to rely more fully on me. When you start to feel stressed, let those feelings alert you to your need for me. Thus, your needs become doorways to deep dependence on me and increasing intimacy between us. Although self-sufficiency is acclaimed in the world, reliance on me produces abundant living in my kingdom. Thank me for the difficulties in your life since they provide protection from the idolatry of self-reliance. I just love the encouragement to not try to run away from the difficulties and run away from the problems, but to embrace those rough patches in life. To learn more about Karen and her work, visit KarenAmon.com. Stay tuned to Christina Kotlis's story after a brief message. Motherhood. It's a journey like no other, teeming with love, unparalleled dedication, and moments that pierce the very essence of your soul. It's a trek that demands to be celebrated, lauded, and embraced in its entirety. Celebrate the moms in your life this Mother's Day with two beautiful gift books, Jesus Calling for Moms by Sarah Young and Grace for the Moment for Moms by Max Licato. These heartfelt devotionals will remind the moms in your life just how special they are. Jesus Calling for Moms and Grace for the Moment for Moms are available now where all books are sold. During times of transition and unknown next steps, it's more important than ever to cling to the promises of God and to tune your ear to what Jesus has to say. Jesus Calling for Graduates is an encouraging compilation of 150 devotions from Sarah Young's brand. Grads will find topics such as discerning God's will, self-worth, trust, support, and much more. Jesus Calling for Graduates is perfect for both high school and college graduates as they embark on the next chapter. Look for our special custom edition of Jesus Calling for Graduates, available exclusively at faithgateway.com. The Easter season is filled with joy and hope. Now, there's a new way to focus on the holiday with the new book, Jesus Calling for Easter. With 50 Jesus Calling devotions selected just for the Lent and Easter season, Jesus Calling for Easter includes scripture verses alongside breathtaking imagery and exquisite design. 
Jesus Calling for Easter makes a stunning gift for those who love Jesus Calling and would like a new way to observe the Easter season. To learn more about this beautiful new edition of Jesus Calling, please visit jesuscalling.com books. Our next guest is two-time cancer survivor, Christina Cotless, who writes about her moving story in her book, I Quit, Facing Cancer with Faith, Family, and Friends. A few years ago, Christina began to develop painful headaches, and she was prescribed medication for migraines and tried to push through the pain the debilitating headaches would bring. It wasn't until she fainted in the hallway of her own home one morning that a new reality would be revealed from an MRI, a diagnosis of brain cancer. Christina shares about surgery and treatments to beat back the cancer, only to have another diagnosis later down the line. This time, the cancer would show up in her spine. Christina recounts the moments of fear and disappointment as daily tasks of living life became more difficult, how friends and family rallied around her, and ultimately, how she's been able to draw closer to God because of the blessings she's seen happen during her time of illness. So, a little bit about myself. I live in Virginia with my husband and our three children who I homeschool, and that takes up most of my time. They're 11, 13, and 15, and when I'm not driving them all over the place to various activities, I host a website for local families to help them feel more connected to our area that we live in, and I enjoy volunteering with my church and community. I grew up in Northern Virginia. I had the four-person mom and dad family with two kids and a dog. My brother Kevin and I were just really blessed to grow up in a very loving home, a very supportive home. I worked very hard in school. I was always tying a lot of my identity into my ability to get good grades and to win awards. And then when I was in high school, I went to Hilton High School in Woodbridge, Virginia, and I really turned my attention to debate and politics, and I was hoping to work in international relations. I left home to go to the College of the Holy Cross, which is in Worcester, Massachusetts, and that was really my first experience being away from home. And I decided to major in religious studies and either Russian or French linguistics, and then just really found a love for religion and philosophy and really enjoyed studying that. I got married at 19 and had my first son just before I turned 20. And we transferred back down to Virginia, where I finished my studies at George Mason with a degree in comparative religious studies. And I ended up having another child just before I graduated from college and then another one two years after that. I was always raised in the church, and I was blessed to have that knowledge that he was with me, but it really wasn't until I was diagnosed that I really understood an actual really scary thing, and I actually saw God's ability to step into that huge void where I couldn't carry the load and I couldn't change my circumstances, but he could that I really understood that he had the power to change my life and to change my circumstances and to step into my life and take something that was intended for evil and use it for good. So I had been having symptoms for 
several months. I had been running more and more, which was impressive for me. And I was very proud of myself for finishing a 10 mile run. But after I finished the run, I started having really just debilitating headaches that I couldn't control with medication. And I got to the point where I would just be crying on the floor because the pain was so terrible. And this was really uncharacteristic for me because I was the type of person that didn't believe in pain. Like I had all three of my children with no drugs, but I, I really was able to overcome pain most of the time, but I was not able to overcome this. And that was in April. When we went on vacation over the summer, I had this strange symptom where I usually lie on my stomach to read books. And I couldn't do that anymore because my eyes would just go black. And by August, we had reached the point where I was just weeping one night on our floor in our bedroom. And my husband was like, you really have to make a decision that you're going to get some help. So I ended up going to the emergency room and having a doctor tell me I was having migraines. And so I pushed through a couple more months. And in December, I got up one day to help my son, my middle son, play ice hockey. And when I stood up to help him, I passed out in our hallway. And that was really the point at which we knew something was terribly wrong, more so than migraines. And we found a new doctor that was able to get me in for an MRI and to actually diagnose the problem. And so once I was diagnosed and was told what the issue was, we found a neurosurgeon who was able to do a surgery for me and it took 16 hours and we were just so fortunate in that experience because we had people covering us in prayer the entire day we actually had what my friends called a prayer party online that people could sign up for they were able to go on and sign up for 15 minute spots starting with when we left for the hospital in the morning so we got up at 4 a.m to get ready to get to the hospital and people got up at 4 a.m and started praying for us and we were initially told that the surgery would take four to six hours. And I wrote my husband notes, one note for every hour of surgery with little jokes or little stories or just things to make him smile so I could be supporting him even though I couldn't be there. And I wrote him 13 notes just in case and a 14th note to read in case things did not go our way and he needed to be able to handle you know, funeral arrangements or something like that because that was a very real possibility only note that he had for the last three hours of my surgery was the open in case it goes wrong. I think after 12 hours, you're supposed to have major neurological and physical deficits. And I was really blessed to come out of it and be okay. My family tells me that when they came to the ICU, because recovery had already closed at that point, they came in and I heard them talking and saying something about 16 hours. And my first words were, what took you so long? And they knew that I was going to be okay. With six weeks of radiation to the brain, brain radiation causes exhaustion like you've never felt before. Definitely hard to not be able to function as a mother the way that I wanted to because of the location of the tumors in my spine. My cancer came back not in my brain but in my spine. And with my second diagnosis, I had a lot of depression and a lot of fear and a lot of anger, especially because it wasn't seven to 10 years. It was not as long as it was supposed to be. And I was very frustrated by that. 
they weren't going to be able to do surgery to completely remove it without paralyzing me or causing other serious deficits. And then we did another six weeks of spinal cord radiation. And I was also able to do a year of daily oral chemotherapy. And so one of the things that I did was I let myself have the emotions I was going to have, but I put a time limit on it. So I would literally set an egg timer or a timer on my cell phone and give myself 15 minutes. And I would have all of the negative thoughts. I would have all of the fears. I would just have them all and cry it out. And when my timer went off, I would literally out loud say, okay, you have been heard. It's actually a really interesting story about how Jesus Calling ties into my story because my first diagnosis, I went really quickly to this place of faith and trusting God because I felt like everything that was happening was an answer to this prayer that I had prayed to see God's glory. And I was oddly calm. I had that peace that surpassed understanding. I went into brain surgery with a smile on my face. I was excited to see what was going to happen. And during that time period, someone gave me a copy of Jesus Calling. And I kind of set it to the side. I was okay. And after my brain surgery, which happened within a week, it was very quick once we met the neurosurgeon to my surgery. And after the surgery, reading was very hard for me. Just focusing my eyes that much was painful. And so the book kind of got set to the side. And with my second diagnosis, I had gone into my small group. One of the women that was in my class told me that when her husband had been sick with cancer, she had read Jesus Calling to him every day. And so I came home from church and dug through the, the box of cards and encouragement that I kept from the first diagnosis and found the copy and I opened to the day, which was February 15th. And that became almost a, a mantra for me. February 15th became the reason that I knew that joy was a spiritual discipline, became the reason that I looked for God to be doing good things. And so now I read February 15th of Jesus Calling every day, and then I read whatever the day is. But February 15th is particularly special to me, and it really became special for my family as well as it transformed the way that we looked for joy in our daily lives because of that passage. And so that was, again, I see God setting me up for success in this process because while I couldn't read the first diagnosis, it was there for me the minute I needed it the second time. So right now my spine scans have all been stable. We don't see any growth in my brain. And so that's all very exciting. I am available for that blessing, but I am also available to be here and to keep going and to show people what it looks like to live with joy in spite of the fact that I have to keep dealing with this. I don't think that God gave me cancer. I don't think that he, you know, shot down a lightning bolt from heaven and put the tumor inside of my head. But I do think that he used that experience as an answer to that prayer for me to see him. Philippians 4-7 was a verse that really made a lot of difference in my life. I talk about that all the time, the peace that surpasses understanding, but I don't think I really understood what it meant until the night that I learned I had a brain tumor and was able to feel that peace that made no sense, that was illogical. And so it was so important to me to be able to look back at this experience, even in that moment when I was diagnosed, and to know that this was 
an answer. I had asked to see God's glory and he was going to take this opportunity to do it. In terms of looking back at my cancer diagnosis and at what I've been through and what my family's been through and being able to see what God was able to do with that, there's just so much that when I look back in retrospect, I see God's fingerprints over my entire life. But God was like, no, even more than that, I have more blessings for you. And so I'm still seeing the effects, the ripples from me being willing to be public with this experience and what God was doing and people being able to see God. And so really backing up and saying, I'm going to trust you with this experience and I'm going to trust you to show up and show off. And not knowing necessarily that that meant I was going to get better, but knowing that God had a plan for how he was going to use this, I've been able to see him do things that I never would have thought possible and I never would have even thought to ask for because his glory is so much bigger and greater than anything that we could just perceive or imagine. And so it's been an amazing experience. I know all the potential bad outcomes and I am choosing now to move on and I am choosing joy and I am deciding that I am going to go forward with confidence because I know that my God has this. You can read more about Christina's story at ChristinaCotless.com or in her book, I Quit, Facing Cancer with Faith, Family, and Friends, available at your favorite book retailer. If you'd like to hear more stories about faith to get through difficult times, check out our interview with Don Barton. next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we hear from pastor and life coach Tim Story, who's an internationally known motivational speaker and author. Tim shares how he's proclaiming the good news of Jesus and all that he does, and how he believes and has seen firsthand that God is a God of miracles. I believe that, number one, that God is a, a miracle-working God. That's part of what he does. And so, you know, God has many things. He's a forgiver. He is a healer. He's a mender. He is one who brings peace, but he is also one who brings forth miracles. And so out of his nature, he does what he does. So what I found is that miracles are either coming or going at all times. Want to hear more inspirational stories of people who have been changed by a closer walk with God? Then subscribe today to the Jesus Calling Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please be sure to leave a review, which helps us reach and inspire others with these stories. Plus, if you like seeing our guests as well as hearing them, you can find video interviews available on our YouTube channel at youtube.com, Jesus Calling Book, on Facebook, and on the Jesus Calling Instagram page.